0: May 27, to June 2, of Morning and Evening, Daily Readings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by A. Langley. Morning and Evening, Daily Readings by Charles Spurgeon. Morning, May 27. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and was lame on both his feet. 2 Samuel 9.13 Mephibosheth was no great ornament to a royal table, yet he had a continual place at David's board, because the king could see in his face the features of the beloved Jonathan. Like Mephibosheth we may cry unto the king of glory, What is thy servant, that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I am? but still the Lord indulges us with most familiar intercourse with himself, because he sees in our countenances the remembrance of his dearly beloved Jesus. The Lord's people are dear for another's sake, such is the love which the Father bears to his only begotten, that for his sake he raises his lowly brethren from poverty and banishment to courtly companionship, noble rank, and royal provision. Their deformity shall not rob them of their privileges. Lameness is no bar to sonship, The cripple is as much the heir as if he could run like Asahel. Our right does not limp, though our might may. A king's table is a noble hiding place for lame legs, and at the gospel feast we learn to glory in infirmities, because the power of Christ resteth upon us. Yet grievous disability may mar the persons of the best-loved saints. Here is one feasted by David, and yet so lame in both his feet, that he could not go up with the king when he fled from the city, and was therefore maligned and injured by his servant Zeba. Saints whose faith is weak, and whose knowledge is slender, are great losers. They are exposed to many enemies, and cannot follow the king whithersoever he goeth. This disease frequently arises from falls. Bad nursing in their spiritual infancy often causes converts to fall into a despondency from which they never recover, and sin in other cases brings broken bones. Lord, help the lame to leap like an art, and satisfy all thy people with the bread of thy table. Evening, May 27 What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Second Samuel 9, eight. If Mephibosheth was thus humbled by David's kindness, what shall we be in the presence of our gracious Lord? The more grace we have, the less we shall think of ourselves, for grace, like light, reveals our impurity. Eminent saints have scarcely known to what to compare themselves. Their sense of unworthiness has been so clear and keen. I am, says Holy Rutherford, a dry and withered branch, a piece of dead carcass, dry bones, and not able to step over a straw. In another place, he writes, except as to open outbreakings, I want nothing of what Judas and Cain had. The meanest objects in nature appear to the humbled mind to have a preference above itself, because they have never contracted sin. A dog may be greedy, fierce, or filthy, but it has no conscience to violate, no Holy Spirit to resist. A dog may be a worthless animal, and yet by a little kindness it is soon won to love its master, and is faithful unto death but we forget the goodness of the lord and follow not at his call the term dead dog is the most expressive of all terms of contempt but it is none too strong to express the self abhorrence of instructed believers they do not affect mock modesty they mean what they say they have weighed themselves in the balances of the sanctuary and found out the vanity of their nature at best we are but clay animated dust mere walking hillocks But viewed as sinners, we are monsters indeed. Let it be published in heaven as a wonder that the Lord Jesus should set his heart's love upon such as we are. Dust and ashes though we be, we must and will magnify the exceeding greatness of his grace. Could not his heart find rest in heaven? Must he needs come to these tents of Kedar for a spouse and choose a bride upon whom the sun had looked? O heavens and earth, break forth into song and give all glory to our sweet Lord Jesus. Morning, May 28 Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Romans 8.30 Here is a precious truth for thee, believer. Thou mayest be poor, or in suffering, or unknown, but for thine encouragement take a review of thy calling and of the consequences that flow from it and especially that blessed result here spoken of. As surely as thou art God's child to-day, so surely shall all thy trials soon be at an end, and thou shalt be rich to all the intents of bliss. Wait a while, and that weary head shall wear the crown of glory, and that hand of labor shall grasp the palm branch of victory. Lament not thy troubles, but rather rejoice that ere long thou wilt be where there shall be neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. The chariots of fire are at thy door, and a moment will suffice to bear thee to the glorified. The everlasting song is almost on thy lip. The portals of heaven stand open for thee. Think not that thou canst fail of entering into rest. If he hath called thee, nothing can divide thee from his love. Distress cannot sever the bond. The fire of persecution cannot burn the link. The hammer of hell cannot break the chain. Thou art secure. That voice which called thee at first shall call thee yet again from earth to heaven, from death's dark gloom to immortality's unuttered splendors. Rest assured, the heart of him who has justified thee beats with infinite love towards thee. Thou shalt soon be with the glorified where thy portion is. Thou art only waiting here to be made meet for the inheritance, and that done, the wings of angels shall waft thee far away, to the mount of peace and joy and blessedness, where far from a world of grief and sin, with God eternally shut in, thou shalt rest for ever and ever. Evening, May 28 This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope, Lamentations 3.21 Memory is frequently the bondslave of despondency. Despairing minds call to remembrance every dark foreboding in the past and dilate upon every gloomy feature in the present. Thus memory, clothed in sackcloth, presents to the mind a cup of mingled gall and wormwood. There is, however, no necessity for this. Wisdom can readily transform memory into an angel of comfort that same recollection from which its left hand brings so many gloomy omens may be trained to bear in its right a wealth of hopeful signs she need not wear a crown of iron she may encircle her brow with a fillet of gold all spangled with stars thus it was in jeremiah's experience in the previous verse memory had brought him to deep humiliation of soul my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me and now this same memory restored him to life and comfort. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Like a two-edged sword, his memory first killed his pride with one edge, and then slew his despair with the other. As a general principle, if we would exercise our memories more wisely, we might in our very darkest distress strike a match which would instantaneously kindle the lamp of comfort there is no need for God to create a new thing upon the earth in order to restore believers to joy, if they would prayerfully rake the ashes of the past, they would find light for the present, and if they would turn to the book of truth and the throne of grace, their candle would soon shine as aforetime. Be it ours to remember the loving kindness of the Lord, and to rehearse his deeds of grace. Let us open the volume of recollection which is so richly illuminated with memorials of mercy, and we shall soon be happy. Thus memory may be, as Coleridge calls it, the bosom-spring of joy, and when the divine comforter bends it to his service, it may be chief among earthly comforters. Morning, May 29 Thou Hatest Wickedness Psalm 45, 7 be ye angry, and sin not. There can hardly be goodness in a man if he be not angry at sin. He who loves truth must hate every false way. How our Lord Jesus hated it when the temptation came. Thrice it assailed him in different forms, but ever he met it with, Get thee behind me, Satan. He hated it in others, none the less fervently because he showed his hate oftener in tears of pity than in words of rebuke. Yet what language could be more stern, more Elijah-like, than the words, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. He hated wickedness so much that he bled to wound it to the heart. He died that it might die. He was buried that he might bury it in his tomb. And he rose that he might forever trample it beneath his feet. Christ is in the gospel, and that gospel is opposed to wickedness in every shape. Wickedness arrays itself in fair garments, and imitates the language of holiness. But the precepts of Jesus, like his famous scourge of small cords, chase it out of the temple, and will not tolerate it in the church. So, too, in the heart where Jesus reigns, what war there is between Christ and Belial! And when our Redeemer shall come to be our judge, those thundering words, Depart ye cursed, which are indeed but a prolongation of his life teaching concerning sin, shall manifest his abhorrence of iniquity. As warm as is his love to sinners, so hot is his hatred of sin. As perfect as is his righteousness, so complete shall be the destruction of every form of wickedness. O thou glorious champion of right, and destroyer of wrong, For this cause hath God, even thy God, anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Evening, May 29. Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. Joshua 6.26. Since he was cursed who built Jericho, much more the man who labors to restore popery among us, In our fathers' days the gigantic walls of popery fell by the power of their faith, the perseverance of their efforts, and the blast of their gospel trumpets. And now there are some who would rebuild that accursed system upon its old foundation. O Lord, be pleased to thwart their unrighteous endeavors, and pull down every stone which they build. It should be a serious business with us to be thoroughly purged of every error which may have a tendency to foster the spirit of popery. and when we have made a clean sweep at home we should seek in every way to oppose its all-too-rapid spread abroad in the Church and in the world. This last can be done in secret by fervent prayer, and in public by decided testimony. We must warn with judicious boldness those who are inclined towards the errors of Rome, We must instruct the young in gospel truth, and tell them of the black doings of popery in the olden times. We must aid in spreading the light more thoroughly through the land, for priests like owls hate daylight. Are we doing all we can for Jesus and the gospel? If not, our negligence plays into the hands of the priestcraft. What are we doing to spread the Bible, which is the pope's bane and poison? Are we casting abroad good, sound gospel writings? Luther once said, The devil hates goose-quills, and doubtless he has good reason, for ready writers, by the Holy Spirit's blessing, have done his kingdom much damage. If the thousands who will read this short word this night will do all they can to hinder the rebuilding of this accursed Jericho, the Lord's glory shall speed among the sons of men. Reader, what can you do? What will you do? Morning, May 30. Take us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. Song of Solomon 2.15 A little thorn may cause much suffering, a little cloud may hide the sun, little foxes spoil the vines, and little sins do mischief to the tender heart. These little sins burrow in the soul and make it so full of that which is hateful to Christ that he will hold no comfortable fellowship and communion with us. A great sin cannot destroy a Christian, but a little sin can make him miserable. Jesus will not walk with his people unless they drive out every known sin. He says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Some Christians very seldom enjoy their Savior's presence. How is this? Surely it must be an affliction for a tender child to be separated from his father. Art thou a child of God, and yet satisfied to go on without seeing thy father's face? What, thou the spouse of Christ, and yet content without his company? Surely thou hast fallen into a sad state, for the chaste spouse of Christ mourns like a dove without her mate, when he has left her. Ask then the question, what has driven Christ from thee? He hides his face behind the wall of thy sins. That wall may be built up of little pebbles, as easily as of great stones the sea is made of drops the rocks are made of grains and the sea which divides thee from christ may be filled with the drops of thy little sins and the rock which has well nigh wrecked thy bark may have been made by the daily work of the coral insects of thy little sins if thou wouldst live with christ and walk with christ and see christ and have fellowship with christ take heed of the little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes Jesus invites you to go with him and to take them. He will surely, like Samson, take the foxes at once and easily. Go with him to the hunting. Evening, May 30 That henceforth we should not serve sin. Romans six. Christian, what hast thou to do with sin? Hath it not cost thee enough already? Burnt child, wilt thou play with the fire? what when thou hast already been between the jaws of the lion wilt thou step a second time into his den hast thou not had enough of the old serpent did he not poison all thy veins once and wilt thou play upon the hole of the asp and put thy hand upon the cockatrice's den a second time oh be not so mad so foolish did sin ever yield thee real pleasure didst thou find solid satisfaction in it if so Go back to thine old drudgery, and wear the chain again, if it delight thee. But inasmuch as sin did never give thee what it promised to bestow, but deluded thee with lies, be not a second time snared by the old fowler. Be free, and let the remembrance of thy ancient bondage forbid thee to enter the net again. It is contrary to the designs of eternal love, which all have an eye to thy purity and holiness. Therefore run not counter to the purposes of thy Lord, another thought should restrain thee from sin? Christians can never sin cheaply. They pay a heavy price for iniquity. Transgression destroys peace of mind, obscures fellowship with Jesus, hinders prayer, brings darkness over the soul. Therefore be not the serf and bondman of sin. There is yet a higher argument. Each time you serve sin, you have crucified the Lord afresh and put him to an open shame. Can you bear that thought? Oh, if you have fallen into any special sin during this day, it may be my master has sent this admonition this evening, to bring you back before you have backslidden very far. Turn thee to Jesus anew. He has not forgotten his love to thee, his grace is still the same. With weeping and repentance come thou to his footstool, and thou shalt be once more received into his heart, thou shalt be set upon a rock again, and thy goings shall be established. Morning may thirty first. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron Second Samuel fifteen twenty three David passed that gloomy brook when flying with his morning company from his traitor son. The man after God's own heart was not exempt from trouble, nay his life was full of it, but he was both the Lord's anointed and the Lord's afflicted. Why then should we expect to escape? At sorrows' gates the noblest of our race have waited with ashes on their heads. Wherefore then should we complain as though some strange thing had happened to us? The king of kings himself was not favored with a more cheerful or royal road. He passed over the filthy ditch of Kidron, through which the filth of Jerusalem flowed. God had one son without sin, but not a single child without the rod. It is a great joy to believe that Jesus has been tempted in all points like as we are. What is our Kidron this morning? Is it a faithless friend, a sad bereavement, a slanderous reproach, a dark foreboding? The king has passed over all these. Is it bodily pain, poverty, persecution, or contempt? Over each of these Kidrons the king has gone before us. In all our afflictions he was afflicted. The idea of strangeness in our trials must be banished at once and forever, For he who is the head of all saints knows by experience the grief which we think so peculiar. All the citizens of Zion must be free of the honorable company of mourners, of which the Prince Emmanuel is head and captain. Notwithstanding the abasement of David, he yet returned in triumph to his city, and David's lord arose victorious from the grave. Let us then be of good courage, for we also shall win the day. We shall yet with joy draw water out of the wells of salvation though now for a season we have to pass by the noxious streams of sin and sorrow courage soldiers of the cross the king himself triumphed after going over kidron and so shall you evening may thirty first who healeth all thy diseases psalm one o three three humbling as is the statement yet the fact is certain that we are all more or less suffering under the disease of sin. What a comfort to know that we have a great physician who is both able and willing to heal us. Let us think of him a while tonight. His cures are very speedy. There is life in a look at him. His cures are radical. He strikes at the center of the disease, and hence his cures are sure and certain. He never fails, and the disease never returns. There is no relapse where Christ heals no fear that his patients should be merely patched up for a season, he makes new men of them. A new heart also does he give them, and a right spirit does he put within them. He is well skilled in all diseases. Physicians generally have some specialty. Although they may know a little about almost all our pains and ills, there is usually one disease which they have studied above all others. But Jesus Christ is thoroughly acquainted with the whole of human nature. He is as much at home with one sinner as with another, and never yet did he meet with an out-of-the-way case that was difficult to him. He has had extraordinary complications of strange diseases to deal with, but he has known exactly with one glance of his eye how to treat the patient. He is the only universal doctor, and the medicine he gives is the only true catholicon, healing in every instance. Whatever our spiritual malady may be, We should apply at once to this divine physician. There is no brokenness of heart which Jesus cannot bind up. His blood cleanseth from all sin. We have but to think of the myriads who have been delivered from all sorts of diseases through the power and virtue of his touch, and we shall joyfully put ourselves in his hands. We trust him, and sin dies. We love him, and grace lives. We wait for him, and grace is strengthened. We see him as he is, and grace is perfected forever morning june one the evening and the morning were the first day genesis one five was it so even in the beginning did light and darkness divide the realm of time in the first day then little wonder is it if i have also changes in my circumstances from the sunshine of prosperity to the midnight of adversity it will not always be the blaze of noon even in my soul concerns I must expect at seasons to mourn the absence of my former joys, and seek my beloved in the night. Nor am I alone in this, for all the Lord's beloved ones have had to sing the mingled song of judgment and of mercy, of trial and deliverance, of mourning and of delight. It is one of the arrangements of divine providence that day and night shall not cease either in the spiritual or natural creation, till we reach the land of which it is written, There is no night there. What our Heavenly Father ordains is wise and good. What, then, my soul, is it best for thee to do? Learn first to be content with this divine order, and be willing with Job to receive evil from the hand of the Lord as well as good. Study next, to make the outgoings of the morning and the evening to rejoice. Praise the Lord for the sun of joy when it rises, and for the gloom of evening as it falls. There is beauty both in sunrise and sunset. SING OF IT AND GLORIFY THE LORD. LIKE THE NIGHTINGALE, POUR FORTH THY NOTES AT ALL HOURS. BELIEVE THAT THE NIGHT IS AS USEFUL AS THE DAY. THE DEWS OF GRACE FALL HEAVILY IN THE NIGHT OF SORROW. THE STARS OF PROMISE SHINE FORTH GLORIOUSLY AMID THE DARKNESS OF GRIEF. CONTINUE THY SERVICE UNDER ALL CHANGES. IF IN THE DAY THY watchword BE LABOR, AT NIGHT EXCHANGE IT FOR WATCH. EVERY HOUR HAS ITS DUTY. Do thou continue in thy calling as the Lord's servant until he shall appear in his glory. My soul, thine evening of old age and death is drawing near. Dread it not, for it is part of the day, and the Lord has said, I will cover him all the day long. Evening, June 1. He will make her wilderness like Eden. Isaiah fifty one three. Methinks I see in vision a howling wilderness, a great and terrible desert, like to the Sahara. I perceive nothing in it to relieve the eye. All around I am wearied with a vision of hot and arid sand, strewn with ten thousand bleaching skeletons of wretched men who have expired in anguish, having lost their way in the pitiless waste. What an appalling sight, how horrible, a sea of sand without a bound, and without an oasis, a cheerless graveyard for a race forlorn. But behold and wonder, upon a sudden upspringing from the scorching sand, I see a plant of renown, and as it grows it buds, the bud expands, it is a rose, and at its side a lily bows its modest head. And, miracle of miracles, as the fragrance of those flowers is diffused, the wilderness is transformed into a fruitful field, and all around it blossoms exceedingly the glory of lebanon is given unto it the excellency of carmel and sharon call it not sahara call it paradise speak not of it any longer as the valley of death-shade for where the skeletons lay bleaching in the sun behold a resurrection is proclaimed and up spring the dead a mighty army full of life immortal jesus is that plant of renown and his presence makes all things new nor is the wonder less in each individual's salvation. Yonder I behold you, dear reader, cast out, an infant, unswathed, unwashed, defiled with your own blood, left to be food for beasts of prey. But lo, a jewel has been thrown into your bosom by a divine hand, and for its sake you have been pitied and tended by divine providence. You are washed and cleansed from your defilement, you are adopted into heaven's family, The fair seal of love is upon your forehead, and the ring of faithfulness is on your hand. You are now a prince unto God, though once an orphan, cast away. O prize exceedingly the matchless power and grace which changes deserts into gardens, and makes the barren heart to sing for joy. Morning, June 2 For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. In every believer's heart there is a constant struggle between the old nature and the new. The old nature is very active and loses no opportunity of plying all the weapons of its deadly armory against newborn grace, while on the other hand, the new nature is ever on the watch to resist and destroy its enemy. Grace within us will employ prayer and faith and hope and love to cast out the evil. It takes unto it the whole armor of God, and wrestles earnestly. These two opposing natures will never cease to struggle so long as we are in this world. The battle of Christian with Apollyon lasted three hours, but the battle of Christian with himself lasted all the way from the Wicket Gate to the River Jordan. The enemy is so securely entrenched within us that he can never be driven out while we are in this body, But although we are closely beset and often in sore conflict, we have an almighty helper, even Jesus, the captain of our salvation, who is ever with us and who assures that we shall eventually come off more than conquerors through him. With such assistance, the newborn nature is more than a match for its foes. Are you fighting with the adversary today? Are Satan, the world, and the flesh all against you? Be not discouraged nor dismayed. Fight on, for God himself is with you. Jehovah Nissi is your banner, and Jehovah Raphi is the healer of your wounds. Fear not, you shall overcome, for who can defeat omnipotence? Fight on, looking unto Jesus, and though long and stern be the conflict, sweet will be the victory, and glorious the promised reward. From strength to strength go on. Wrestle and fight and pray. Tread all the powers of darkness down, and win the well-fought day. Evening, June 2. Good Master. Matthew nineteen sixteen. If the young man in the Gospel used this title in speaking to our Lord, how much more fitly may I thus address him? He is indeed my master in both senses, a ruling master and a teaching master. I delight to run upon his errands and to sit at his feet. I am both his servant and his disciple, and count it my highest honor to own the double character if he should ask me why I call him good, I should have a ready answer. It is true that there is none good but one, that is, God. But then, he is God, and all the goodness of deity shines forth in him. In my experience I have found him good, so good indeed, that all the good I have has come to me through him. He was good to me when I was dead in sin, for he raised me by his Spirit's power, HE HAS BEEN GOOD TO ME IN ALL MY NEEDS, TRIALS, STRUGGLES, AND SORROWS. NEVER COULD THERE BE A BETTER MASTER, FOR HIS SERVICE IS FREEDOM, HIS RULE IS LOVE. I WISH I WERE ONE THOUSANDTH PART AS GOOD A SERVANT. WHEN HE TEACHES ME AS MY RABBI, HE IS UNSPEAKABLY GOOD, HIS DOCTRINE IS DIVINE, HIS MANNER IS CONDESCENDING, HIS SPIRIT IS GENTLENESS ITSELF. NO ERROR MINGLES WITH HIS INSTRUCTION, Pure is the golden truth which he brings forth, and all his teachings lead to goodness, sanctifying as well as edifying the disciple. Angels find him a good master, and delight to pay their homage at his footstool. The ancient saints proved him to be a good master, and each of them rejoiced to sing, I am thy servant, O Lord. My own humble testimony must certainly be to the same effect. I will bear this witness before my friends and neighbors for possibly they may be led by my testimony to seek my Lord Jesus as their master. Oh, that they would do so! They would never repent so wise a deed. If they would take but this easy yoke, they would find themselves in so royal a service that they would enlist in it for ever. End of May 27 to June 2. Recording by A. Langley.